I'm not one. I'm going to be transparent with you, okay? Can, I, can we all be transparent? Because I'm going to expect you to be transparent. I'm not one that has been very good about praying intentionally. I struggled for years and years and years with that. And some of you are struggling right now with your prayer life. Heavily. If we were to be really transparent right now, some of us could raise our hand and say, there's some areas of prayer that I'm just not good at. All right, let's just do a little show of hands, all right? We've got to be transparent today where it's just not going to work for us, okay? You can't get anything from God's Word if your mind is not open to allowing God to speak clearly to you and you need to be transparent and say, God, whatever you want for me today, I'm willing to accept. So here's my question. How many would you raise your hand and say, hey, I, I have a hard time praying publicly in front of people, loudly. Y'all with me? Okay, that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Some people struggle with that. How many of you have difficulty praying every single day consistently? You struggle with that? Some of us have a bad memory and we forget. You know, I've went a couple of days and then realized I have a wife and kids and I'm like, oh, I should talk to them. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, kind of. But falling asleep, I've done while I was praying. How many are with me? You ever fell asleep while you're praying? Is that the worst feeling? You're, you're praying and you're just, you're, you're very intentional. And then all of a sudden, you know, your words start slurring. And the next thing you know, you don't know what you just said. And then you say, God, I'm so sorry. But I'm really tired. Can we continue this in the, in the morning? I've been there. Have you ever had a lack of faith when you were trying to pray and be intentional? You ever been there? Come on now, raise that hand like you mean it. Let's be real. I've been there. I, have you ever done something in your life and it was so horrific in your mind that you felt unworthy to pray so you didn't pray? That's the worst. It's like, why would, he, why would he listen to me? Why would I take the time to pray when I know I'm not worthy to pray? I can't do this. I just can't do this. Have you ever prayed a weak prayer? Cliché. Yeah. I grew up in the Bible Belt. I heard a lot of cliché prayers. I grew up in Somerville, Alabama, as many of you already know, because I repeat this so many times. But our church was in Priceville. It was Anchor Baptist Church. And I remember, this is redneck, I know. Pop Poole was our pastor, Pop Poole. His real name was KC, which stood for King Charles. So we just called him Pop Poole. Weird, huh? Anyway, he was an older gentleman. I remember if we had a guest come that he knew, maybe a guest preacher that was just popping in, not necessarily speaking that day, he would call on them to pray. And as a little boy, I'd hear him pray, and I'd think to myself, that's the way you're supposed to pray. But I can never pray like that guy just prayed. And he'd use these words that people don't use. Shakespeare would use, but nobody else uses. Or he knew he wasn't going to preach that day, so he just went ahead and spent five minutes preaching in his prayer. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, what a man of God. If I could be like him, I could move mountains. Have you ever heard somebody pray and thought, I wish I could pray like them. So as a boy in the Bible Belt, I would watch the way people prayed, literally watch their demeanor, and I'd listen to the words they would say, and I'd think, all right, I need to do what they're doing. Okay, that would be, that's what I need to do. So what I would do is I would start mimicking them. One of them was a, a guy by the name of Sammy Allen, an incredible preacher, but when he'd pray, it was like he was having a seizure. It was so weird. He'd shake his head and shake his head, and I thought... That's how I get a hold of God. I just shake my head. 
So I went to this camp meeting in Resaca, Georgia, and I remember that night in the big dormitory area, there's these bunk beds, and I'm laying in my bed, and I'm thinking, I need to pray before I go to bed because I want to be a man of God. I was a 14-year-old boy. I surrendered to the preach, didn't even really understand what all that meant. So I started to pray, and I thought, I need to shake my head. So I started to shake my head and pray because I want God to hear me. I want to be bold in my prayers, and I need God to hear me. And while I was doing that, I felt somebody pat me on the shoulder, and I stopped, and I looked, and this guy is looking at me like I'm a weirdo. And he said, hey, this is a big dormitory room. Do you know where the bathroom is? And I'm like, yeah. He interrupted my time with God. I'm getting a hold of him right now, but it's over there. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm praying. What's it look like, you know? Come on. And he said, you're praying, but you're shaking your head. Are you okay? And I said, well, this, I, I didn't know what to say. I said, you know, and he said, I said, well, this is the way I pray. And he said, why? And I had no answer for him. You know why I had no answer for him? Because that's not the way you're supposed to pray. I just thought this is what I need to do to get a hold of God. Another thing I used to hear preachers say, and my brother probably heard this as well, if you want to get a hold of God, you've got to get up real early in the morning. That's when God's listening. And I didn't want to do that. And then I heard somebody else say, you just get along with God. Get out in the woods. Get along with God. Put your face on the ground before Almighty God and just pray your guts out. So I tried that because it wasn't early in the morning. I laid in the grass. It was night. I'm in Alabama just seeking God's face. I was probably 15 and something bit me. And I remember looking down and thinking, this is not worth it. It was a beetle as big as a silver dollar with little, little claws. And I thought, I'm done because this could not be the right way to get a hold of God. There's got to be a better way. And there is. There is a better way. They're bold prayers. But bold prayers are scary prayers because bold prayers will do something in your life. They will stretch you. They will change you. They will test you. And they'll make you feel like you are just not getting anywhere because it is so difficult. Anybody that tells you that praying is easy is a liar and they don't really understand. Anybody that says that faith is easy, they're lying too because faith is not easy. It is difficult. Is very difficult, but faith and prayer go hand in hand. And in order to have prayer, strong, bold prayers, we need to understand what the Bible says. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Bold prayers, these scary prayers, come by us being willing to say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to accept. I'm willing boldly to accept your will for my life, but I'm begging you to do something in my life. And when you get to that point, God's going to do some things that you never expected, but it might take you on a long journey that you never wanted to be on. But when we come before the throne of God and say, God, I need you to move. I need you to show up. That is a bold prayer directed to God. So for the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I want to talk about bold prayers. And today I want to focus on three bold prayers that David used and in, in, in the way he approached God. And the next week we'll dive into a few more prayers. But as we look at this, I want you to examine yourself and, and ask God, what are you trying to say to me through this? And what do I need to do? And what do I need to change? The Bible says in Psalms 139, this is the bold prayers that David gave. 139 verse 23 and verse 24 as well. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is not giving God permission to search him. David is giving God an invitation to search him. God doesn't need our permission. God can do whatever he pleases to do. But it pleases God when we request for him to look into our lives so that we can be become better people for his honor and his glory. And so David said boldly, God, I am asking you to do something profound in my life. But I know in order for that to happen, this needs to happen. I need you to search me, to try me, and to lead me. And through that, I believe that David's relationship with God changed because that was a bold move by David. And now we're talking about the David that became the king of Israel. The one that was a shepherd that killed Goliath. The one that committed adultery. The man that made a horrible decision to have another man killed to cover up his sin. That's the man we're talking about. He's just as real as me and you. He had a family. He had his problems. He had his issues. But he had a God that loved him regardless. And he was bold enough to go to that God and say, In order for me to have the relationship I need with you, you need to do some things in my life. Search me. Try me. Lead me. And I believe that if we don't have those bold prayers, we cannot have a strong prayer life. doesn't matter how much you shake your head when you're praying. doesn't matter if you go in the middle of nowhere and lay your face on the ground. It ain't going to happen because God's not going to move in anybody's life unless we're making a move to seek his face, to say, God, change me. Now, there's some of us, we've become so stagnant in our Christianity. Nothing moves us. Nothing moves us. Something tragic might move you, but even that would have to be serious. We've got to the point where we just become negligent with our conversations with God and our prayer life is lacking. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to step out by faith and say, God, change that. Here's the prayer. The first one is this. The first bold prayer is, search me. Psalms 139, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. The psalmist David, as you know, was an amazing shepherd. And as a shepherd, his responsibility was to make sure he was protecting the sheep. And one of the ways he would protect the sheep is by pulling back the wool of the sheep to look at the skin, to make sure there was no infections, there was no wounds. Because if there was and it went unnoticed, then there would be a problem with that sheep and eventually that sheep could even die. David is saying, God, I need you to pull back the wool of my heart and I need you to look very deep within me. Because there's some things that I may have in my life that I don't realize and only you can see. And I'm asking you to make sure if there is these wounds or if there's the infection of sin that's in my life that I need to remove. I need you to show me. Because me within myself, I can't see as he defines those wicked ways. So if we were to ask God to look at our heart, do you really believe that? Let me, let me put it this way. Do you think that you know what your heart looks like. Without asking God, do you, do you believe that you understand what your heart looks like? Because according to Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Because of that, we don't really truly know what our heart looks like. It deceives us. You know what that means? It means on our own, we think we're doing just fine. 
And without a bold prayer of asking God to intervene and search us, we're going to continue in the same way we've been going for the last umpteen years. Let me illustrate this way. Somebody told me once that age is just a number. Y'all heard that? Age is just a number. I'm going to have to let you all know something. Age is more than just a number. And as you get older, you realize that. It's a reality. You know how you realize it? Because you take a mirror out. Y'all follow me? That's a dirty mirror. (laughs) You take your mirror out and you look in it. Now, if you glance at it, you're not going to notice. But if you look in it, you're going to notice. And the things you're going to notice is the fact that age is more than a number. Because when you start to really look in the mirror, you begin to realize there's a problem. And I'm not just talking about a glance. I'm talking about a look. I mean, I'm searching. I'm looking and I'm realizing there's hair growing in places that hair should not be growing. And the color of that hair is not the same color it used to be 10 years ago. And there's some lines on my, on my face that weren't there even two years ago. And guess what? I'm looking kind of crusty. I used to not have to use lotion on my bald head, but I'm using lotion on my bald head. You know why? Some of y'all are like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> good. good, because age is more than a number, okay? It's a reality. And what happens in our lives, we too often, spiritually speaking, don't look close enough to find out what's going on in our lives. See, there's some of us, they're walking around through life like this. I want you to see what's going on in your life, honey. You look at your spouse and say, do you see this? This is an issue. But you got the backside and you ain't seeing nothing. Bold prayers are stopping. You stop worrying about everybody else and you start worrying about yourself. And it's not just a glance. It's a look. And it's a deep look. And you're asking God while you're looking, God, show me what I can't see. Search me. You know what God does when He starts searching you through the Holy Spirit if you're a believer? He starts revealing some things. Just like he start, you start seeing some things when you're looking in that mirror. You begin to realize, I have an attitude issue. I have a chip on my shoulder. I have bitterness toward this person. I have anger issues. I don't know when to shut my mouth. I'm a gossip. I'm annoying. I, I know my husband would rather dwell on the housetop as the Bible says, than in the house with me because I'm that type of woman that doesn't know when to stop. Wow, man, this is rough, right? But it's a reality because we all go through it. We all have those moments in our life that we don't realize what's in our life and the issue that we're dealing with because we don't see it. And you know there's a real issue in your life if somebody else is trying to speak into your life and you're very defensive. If somebody says, listen, I've noticed this. It's been happening in your life lately. And I just, I want to help you. And you're like, that's not true. That's not an issue. But there's some people that have noticed it outside of me. Are you guys gossiping about me? No, it's just that you're really angry about this particular situation and you don't seem to let it go. I can't let it go. And you'll never understand unless you were in my shoes. And on and on and on we go. You know what happens? We put up our guard and we realize, or we think we realize, I got it all together. And, but and the reality is we don't have anything together. And God is using His Word and the Holy Spirit and other people to speak in our lives to search us, to help us, but we're denying it and we're not facing it. If you're bold enough to ask God to search you, what's going to happen when He does? The Holy Spirit begins to work and it will surprise you what He begins to reveal to you. And when He begins to reveal these things to you, you have a decision to make. 
It's the same decision David had to make. And David said in Psalms 51 verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In order for there to be a new heart, a clean heart, there has to be a restart. I don't like starting over on anything. I just want to get it done. And it takes time and it takes work when you start over. And the reality is when it comes to our heart, when we realize there's a problem, you might have to start over with your marriage. Some of you are like, well, it's just too far gone. Then you don't want God to create into you a clean new heart. You're just settling. You say, no, no, I'm not settling. Yes, you are. you got to face the reality. Search me, God. If God is showing to you the only way you can fix this is for you to accept there's a problem and to fix the problem. And if you're not willing to fix the problem, then you're willing to just continue in the problem. Then you're not going to have any results. You're just going to have the same life that you've been living. If God is going to make a move in your life, you have to be willing to accept what he's trying to say and renew and change. And I know it's difficult. It's frustrating. I've had times where I have had to make a decision to get things right when I didn't want to get things right. But the Holy Spirit convicted me of it. Just a couple of days ago, I remember I just I sent a message out to somebody and it was on me so heavy because I failed. And I said, will you forgive me for what I've done? I, I, haven't, I haven't been there for you. I haven't been the person I should be there for you. I'm sorry. I've had a look at my son and says, is there anything in my life that I need to change as your dad? Because I want to be the best dad I can be. Just shoot me straight. Because God was convicting me. And he was convicting me to the point while he was searching me, he was revealing things to me, and I needed confirmation of those things that I felt like what needed to change. I needed to talk to my son about it. I didn't talk to my daughter about it because she would have a whole list of things that probably didn't exist. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But the reality is we have to learn to do that. And it's uncomfortable when we do it. But it's something we have to do. And it's a bold prayer that we have to pray. But I love the fact that David didn't stop there. He said, let me go a step further. Try me and know my thoughts. The Hebrew translation of the words try me is test me. Put me to the test. But it goes further than that. The actual translation of this passage of Scripture is dealing with anxious thoughts. In other words, God, I need you to let me know, to try me, to test me, to help me understand what freaks me out. What is making me scared? What is making me anxious? I need you to do every test possible to reveal the reality of what's happening up here. It's not just, it's not just try my thoughts, test my thoughts. It's Try and test my anxious thoughts. You know, Christian just went back to Pensacola Christian College. My son, before he left, we realized there's a problem with his car. We knew it was going to happen. He's had the car for like two years. All we did is replace the brakes and the rotors. It's like a 2004. So, yeah, everything happened at once. But we didn't really know what was happening. All we heard is these noises, right? I heard these weird noises coming from under the hood. And I'm like, you got a problem. And that's all I had for my son. You got a problem. You know, I think he thought I was going to be able to explain what the problem was. But the only way to find out what the problem was is to take the car to the mechanic. So the mechanic could do the test necessary to figure out what the problem is. Here's the reality. It takes some testing in our lives to figure out what the problem is when we become so anxious and overwhelmed with fear. What makes you fear? I was at, I was at Fellowship Baptist Church on Monday. 
And I was in my office and they had Catalyst, which is like Thrive Young Adults, taking place downstairs. And so I go downstairs and I'm walking through and one of the guys starts talking to me and then he starts asking me questions. In the beginning, I thought it was just organic, just some random questions. How you doing? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Then they got really weird. And then I noticed he just asking one after another after another. And I'm like, all right, I'm trying to be nice, but I really want to walk away because you're weird. All right. But I held out because I was curious. All right. So he asked a few more like weird questions. Do you ever sweat in an elevator? Okay. You would want to walk away too. This is how weird they were. So one question after the other, and I noticed he was looking at his phone. So obviously there's a test taking place. I am being put to the test to find out if there's something missing up here. I'm putting two and two together. Finally he gets done. And I said, what, what are all these weird questions about? Why? Uh, he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm studying uh, the mind in school and I'm trying to be uh, one that can help people uh, not just make good decisions, but I'm also want to be a psychiatrist and I want to help people with the thoughts that they're battling with. And he's going on and on. I just wanted to get him to the point. I said, well, what's this testing about? Because I feel like it was a test. He said, oh, that, oh, yeah, uh, I was testing you to see if you're, you have schizophrenia. I said, really? Those are, I said, how did I do? He goes, oh, you passed, you're fine, you're fine. I said, even though I have voices in my head? And he goes, what? I said, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding, kind of. But I passed. I didn't understand. Why is there all these questions? Because the reality is, if we want to know an issue in our life, there's always going to be questions that are asked. You've never taken a test in high school or college that didn't have questions. Questions are a necessity to get the root of the problem. My question for you is, what is it in your life that is dominating your way of thinking? What is it that's controlling you? One preacher put it this way, what we fear the most is where we trust God the least. You cannot take your next steps in your walk with Jesus Christ if you don't make a bold decision to have a bold prayer to ask God to test your mind and your fearful thoughts so he can reveal to you where you're not trusting him. Because David said, I don't want to just see the wicked ways in my life. I want you to go a step further. I want you to look in my mind and show me where I'm lacking and what I'm fearing. And when you show it to me, I'll realize that I'm leaning more on that than I, than I am on you. I always say this, do your best and forget the rest because that's something I learned a long time ago and in ministry it makes a difference. Anything outside of your best is just fear and frustration. And what we do in life is I feel like we are doing everything we possibly can for the Lord Jesus Christ, but then we get fearful it's not enough. And we, we, we begin to question everything. Am I a believer? Am I really called to do A, B, and C in the church? And so on and so forth. What is it that makes you fear? God has put me to the test a number of times when it comes to the church and whether, what, whether I should do this or that or buy a building or rent or lease or whatever the case may be. I get fearful thoughts. Well, if we do that, then I can't do this. And how can I be? And I wonder, what, why would people come to Thrive Church to hear this message? God, is this the right message? And the simplest things become complex things because fear is taking the lead instead of God. Which brings me to the last bold prayer. And I love this because it's so simplistic. And that prayer is this, lead me. Now, David said, in order for God to lead me, my mind 
My heart has to be right. After God searches us and tests us, God can then help us to let Him lead. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The Bible also said this, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When I can get to that point, and I have allowed God to search me and test me, I now am, I am now in a position where I can follow his lead. But it's not until I get to this point after these bold prayers. Now, let me close with this. David said in chapter 39, 139, verse 24, And lead me in the way everlasting. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. This passage is in direct reference to the old ways, the old paths. What that means is David is saying, God, I want you to do something so profound in my life that it resembles what you did in Noah's life and what, what, it, what, what you did in Abraham's life and Isaac's life and Jacob's life. I, I'm going to make a bold statement right, God, right now, God. I not only want you to search me, I don't, want, I don't want you just to test me, but I want you to lead me and I want you to lead me the same way you led Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm willing to take every step you lead me. I'm going to take every step you ask me to take. I'm going to trust you with it. And God, I want you to do in my life, just like you did in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 6 and verse 16, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. God, I want rest for my soul, as Jeremiah said. And the only way I can have that is I need to take this third step and have this bold prayer. Lead me. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be very blunt right now. There was no way that God was going to lead me to the right person for my life when I was 22 years old because I wasn't where I needed to be. God had somebody for me, and her name was Brianna. And Brianna wasn't going to come into my life until I was 23 years old, and I took all the necessity moves, all the necessary moves that I needed to make in bold prayer to have God search me and change me and change my mind and take away my fears because I couldn't be the leader that I needed to be and follow the lead of God because those, are other, those elements in my life weren't right. When we ask God to lead us, we better be ready for some changes because that's a bold prayer. Because if God says, I want you to do something you never thought you would ever do. I want you to be the worship leader of Thrive Church. And I want you to leave your home church. And you're going to probably have to drive an hour to get there. And I want you to do this. I want you to follow the lead of Dave Liuzzo. God help me. And I want you to step out by faith and put together a worship team. Hey, Victor, can you do it? Lead me. Lead me. I want you to buy a ranch and walk away from a beautiful house. And I want you to take all these troubled kids and use horses that are all jacked up and one of them is going to miss an eyeball. And I want you to use that. And we're going to call it Glory Reigns. You're going to do something amazing. I'm going to lead you. But in order for me to lead you, you're going to have to do something really important. You're going to have to let me search you. And I'm going to have to test you. And then when I'm done with that, then you're going to be ready for me to lead you. Some of you, stop whining and complaining because you ain't where you need to be just yet. If you ain't let God search you and you, ain't, and you ain't let God test you because when that happens, God can start to lead you. If you're not willing to make the bold prayer, don't expect God to make a bold move. And I believe with all my heart, we can't get into what we're going to get into next week unless we handle this subject this week. Because there's the next prayers that we're going to look at are very, very disturbing when you think about God, break me.
That's one I don't want to pray. But I don't think I'm in the right frame of mind and if, if, I, if I'm not being led by God. I can't have God break me if I'm not willing to let God lead me. I, I was, when I was in college, I knew God was going to break me, but I didn't know how he was going to break me. But I was willing to go as far as he wanted me to go. And at that time, I didn't understand the fullness of what that looked like. I want so desperately to be able to pray boldly, but I know I can't pray boldly unless I'm willing to step back and say, search me. Search me, God. And when he starts to show me the things I need to change, what am I going to do with it? There's a decision that has to be made. And David's decision, when it came to this bold prayer of leading, was this, I'll follow. Because in Psalms 23, he said, He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Not for my name, for his name. The path of righteousness is the right way to go. David said, because I allow God to search me and test me, I was, be, I was, I was able to now to be led by God. And through the righteous path, I learned so much about my shepherd. But it all started with those two bold prayers that led to the third bold prayer, which is lead me. A bold decision by prayer. I can ask God to do something, but I have to make a decision whether I'm going to follow through with what He reveals. You have a decision to make. I have a decision to make. That decision is to look very closely at your life, spiritually speaking, and say, am I being as faithful as I should be? What is this church thing? Is it just a side gig? Is Thrive Church a side gig to you? Or is, it, is it a reality to you? Does it matter to you? Are you really invested in your marriage? Is it just your glorified roommates? Search me. Am I being the best grandmother I can possibly be? Am I being the best grandfather I can possibly be? Am I a good uncle? Am I a good example? Am I, am I a good son? Am I a good daughter? Am I always giving them trouble and heartache? I don't know. Only you know. It's a bold prayer you're going to have to pray.